Today's title is Getting Past the Weird. Today's message is going to be one of the most, um, in the body of Christ, is probably one of the most controversial subjects. It's, uh, and for a lack of better terms, it's one of the weirdest subjects. And so uh, that's why I believe the Lord's going to help me get past the weird so we can all understand what the Word says about this subject. Uh, But this is what you need to be. Everybody say, I will be teachable. teachable. So that's the biggest thing because I was raised in a church that um, it didn't believe in a lot of things that I believe today, but I'm so thankful. Man, they got me saved. Whoa. Whoa. That's the most important thing. So I am forever grateful for that. But uh, there are some things that I had to unlearn. And uh, because how many know people teach you what they know? They can't teach you what you don't know. So they didn't know about this subject uh, that I'm going to be talking to you today. But uh, I'm just encouraging everybody, especially people that are watching all the way back from Kentucky where I was raised, uh, to be open Make sure that you're just open and be teachable. John chapter 20, verse 19. John 20, 19 says this. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. When he did that, they were saved, born again. Do you understand that terminology? That is, nobody could be saved until Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you you understand that? There had to be a resurrection for people to be saved. Jesus comes right in the midst of, The doors were locked, and boom, he just shows up right there, and they, whoa, it's Jesus. And he breathed on them, and they believed on him. Why did they believe on him? Because he was resurrected. You have to believe, not just in Jesus, you have to believe that he was resurrected from the dead. So they believed that. He breathed on them. They were born again. So Acts chapter 1, this is after the fact as well. Verse 4 and 5, it says, Once when he was eating with them, this is Jesus with the disciples, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. He breathed on them. They were saved. Then he turns around to the same disciples. And says, I want you to tarry or wait in Jerusalem. And my father's going to give you a gift of the Holy Spirit. I already thought I had the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to receive something that you didn't receive when you were born again. Everybody going to be open. Three of you. That's great. All right. Uh, This could be confusing. It was confusing to me. Quite confusing to me. And it's still confusing to some people. But uh, let's drop down to verse 6. Acts 1, 6. It says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come 
for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. You're going to receive what? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, he already breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. But now, he says, you're going to receive something in addition to what you received when you were born again. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So now, we're going to get to the weird part. There is no other way to say it. It's weird with a capital W. When I say that to my kids, you know, that means it's emphasized to the nth degree. Weird is with a capital W. You know, when I say something that's dumb with a capital D, that means it's really dumb. But this is weird with a capital W, and every other letter is capitalized. This is just a strange thing. There's no other way. Why? Because in the natural, your mind and my mind says this does not make sense. So, we're going to talk about the weird. Acts chapter 2, here we go. Put on your seatbelt, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the what? Believers. That is people who believe in Jesus that he was raised from the dead, which means they were born again, saved people. Everybody agree with me that that's what the word means, all right? Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. They were together in one place. There was 120 of them, by the way. Verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then they looked like flames, um, t- flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, now we're weird. This is weird. They were talking. We call it speaking in tongues. Now, it happened on Pentecost. That is 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. Before Jesus was even crucified, they had the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost was 50 days after uh, Passover. So uh, 50 days. You got 50 days. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. But now... There's no more waiting for the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he sits there and he says, there was like fire on top of their head. And then it went down inside of them. And when that happened, they began to speak in other languages. They began to speak in tongues. Now, I know what you may have been taught. I was taught several things that tongues no longer exist. I was taught tongues is of the devil. And I knew that was wrong because I lived like the devil and all my friends that I hung around with were like the devil and none of us ever spoke in tongues. And we were very good at our sinning, so we, but we never spoke in tongues. So I knew that, well, I don't think that's of the devil because I would have been prime target for that. But anyway, my point is this, is that uh, when people don't understand things, it's human nature to give some kind of excuse, to give some kind of reasoning, human reasoning. I want to emphasize human reasoning to uh, make it go away or to explain it away. So all of my life, I I thought that. 
until I was 19 years old and I was in the Air Force and uh, I came home on leave and my brother-in-law took me to a different church and uh, a church that uh, believed in what I'm going to be teaching you today. And I went to this church and I mean, like they were all, this is very different. First of all, they were raising their hands like we do here and I'm going, is it a stick up? Is somebody in the back with a gun? What is going on? And, and they were just really worshiping and I'm just like, Goo-goo eyes, you know what I mean? And uh, there was a part of me, but this is the thing that I knew. I was hungry for everything that God wanted for me. I was hungry for whatever God had. That's why I was open and teachable. Even I didn't understand what was going on, but I did know this. I sensed that God is in this place. And man, they started talking about, if you want to be filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, I went, what? What? I've never heard. I was 19 years old. I grew up in church from the time I was seven. I was born again, saved when I was seven years old. Grew up in church all those years from seven to 19. And not one message had I ever heard about speaking in tongues. Even though it is listed in the New Testament many times, there's a whole chapter about tongues. First Corinthians chapter 14, you can read it. The whole tongues, the whole tongues, the whole chapter. Sometimes my tongue gets... Tongue tied. But anyway, the whole chapter talks about speaking in tongues. How can you ignore that and never talk about it if you're a minister? Well, Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Luke eleven thirteen says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the the Father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, like I said, this is different from salvation. It is, and let me just say this as well. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that God raised him from the dead, you are saved and you're going to heaven no matter what. Whether you believe this message that I'm teaching you today. Are you out there? All right, everybody agree with me. Because I don't want anybody to think, because let me just say this. Every revelation knowledge that God has given to the church, the church has made something weird of it. Every, I, you can study church history. I'm telling you, everything that God gave the church, not the world, the church. The church made something. They did weird stuff. Back in the 70s when I was learning this, people were flaky and weird, man. I mean, you know, here you are speaking in tongues. You should not just go down Walmart and speaking in tongues in, in front of your friends. They're going to just go, you're weird, and I'm never going to hang around you again. And if you come to me, we're going to call 911 and put you in a straitjacket. I don't think God intended this to be weird to the world, but the church has made it weird to the world. And I know there's people watching me that knew me when I was growing up and go, oh, my goodness. You believe in that? And not only do I believe it, I do it every day of my life. And this is what happened to me. Well, let me just say this. If he, first of all, he says, if you want to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's going to make you empowered to be a witness. That is huge. Empower you to be what? 
a witness. A witness for what? Jesus. Jesus. And the number one witness that you and I need to be emboldened with is that God loves everybody. The people that you have trouble with, God loves them. The people that you have strife day in and day out, those people that you work with, the family reunion that you always want to be far away from, God loves them all. That's a revelation to some of you. You go, how does he do that? So he, he wants you to have this gift so that you will be empowered to be a witness for him. And I, I, I want to say this because weird stuff I heard this when I started hearing teaching people, I started hearing that. I go, that's not true. People would say, well, you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Where is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible, by the way. That's in somebody's teaching. And so they were teaching that. And so that is so false. You do not have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. You just have to. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, and it's always been Jesus. Amen? And it always will be Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. But people would teach that. And, they, and then you, you get this. Well, you're more spiritual and more mature if you speak in tongues. <laughs> First of all, you study the Corinthian church. They were the most flaky, immature, just crazy people. That's why there's a second Corinthians. Paul had to write two letters to them. He had to write two letters. You know, the first one, he goes, and then they respond, and he goes, okay, here we go. They were just, a, they were a fruitcake. It should have been the first church of the fruitcake. But anyway, he had, to, he had to deal with that because of flight. Why? Because when people receive revelation knowledge, they can get weird. And trust me, everything, including speaking in tongues, you, you go back and study church history. I don't have to study it because I was around those weirdos. <laughs> Love you. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Either you do not know who I thought was weird. But anyway, another thing is people think that, well, it's out of control. That's a lie. Do you realize that God, first of all, Galatians 5.23 says self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So you, if you're ever out of control, that's not God. It's not God. You know, people say, well, just the anointing came on me and I just couldn't help myself. You're wrong. The Bible says the spirit of a prophet prophet is subject to the prophet. What does that mean? He's in control. You and I are always in control. We have a choice. Speaking in tongues is a choice. It is a choice. Well, first of all, he said, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more would the Spirit of God or the Father give the Holy Spirit if you ask? So this is the number one thing. Are you ready? If you ask for the gift of the Holy Ghost, you automatically get it. Because there was teaching, you know, oh, you're not speaking in tongues. So you ask, but there's probably sin in your life. Or you probably did something wrong. Or you have unforgiveness. And the list goes on and on and on. Where is that in the Bible? He just says if you ask for it, you get it. He didn't say unless. Well, first of all, if there was some kind of sin or unforgiveness or anything going on, none of us would have got it. <laughs> God does not give things to perfect people. If, if that was the standard, 
Nobody would get anything from God. That's why we have a Savior. Because he knew we couldn't be perfect. He says, I've got to send somebody down that will be perfect. Only one, Jesus. There's no, I ain't going to be anybody. I know it could have been, you know, you may have thought it was your ex-wife or somebody's perfect. But nobody's perfect or ever will be. So you just ask for this gift. And 100, this is not my opinion. The Bible says you will get it. No questions asked. You don't have to dig to your past. You don't have to say, but. No, you ask for this gift, and God says, got it. Everybody with me? Okay. So, and then you, I want to make sure that you knew that. But also, there's so much teaching going around that says, well, tongues was present, but when the last apostles died, so did that die. Really? And the Bible says, you know, that tongues will cease. The Bible does say that, but in the same scripture, it said, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13 or 12, 12 or 13. It says in the same scripture, knowledge will cease as well. Has knowledge ceased? No, man, it's escalating. It is, the, the, there's more knowledge today than there's ever been on this planet. And there's more knowledge in your phone. All knowledge is at your fingertips today. You can Google anything, and it will tell you. That is more knowledge than everything. And it's talking about human knowledge. When we get to heaven, we're still going to be getting knowledge, by the way. But it's going to be revelation knowledge, not human intellect knowledge. So that's where when this time is no more, you're, never, you're not going to have to speak in tongues in heaven. You're not going to have to have human knowledge in heaven. We're going to have the knowledge of Almighty God in heaven. And it's going to be continually taught us. We're going to be continually learning. Why? Because there is no end to the knowledge of God. That, does that just make your brain go tilt? Does it not? There it is. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Well, he's not talking about 2018, that's for sure. Everybody follow me. I want to give you my testimony. Like I said, I was raised up in a, that where you would never heard anything about speaking in tongues. I didn't know 1 Corinthians 14 existed because that whole chapter is about tongues. We, we never went to that chapter or any of these other verses that I'm reading to you today. Acts was skipped over, you know. But my testimony was when my brother-in-law took me to this church and they said, you know, if you want this gift, come up, you know. And so they laid hands on me and nothing happened. Man, I've sensed God. I mean, wow, man. I mean, I just sensed God like I've never sensed God before in my life. We don't walk by feelings. But, man, I felt him. I felt the presence of God. I can't really explain that, but I did. So anyway, uh, nothing happened. I'd heard this one over here and this one over here, and they were speaking in tongues. I was going, ooh. It was a little scary because I thought, what is this is weird with a capital W. Here we go. And so I walked away, and I thought, well, I didn't get it. And so uh, I, and I told a few of my friends that I didn't get it, and so I had to go back to the base where I was stationed. And uh, so I went back to my base. I'll never forget. I was, like I said, I was about 19 years old. It was Castle Air Force Base outside of Merced, California. I'll never forget. I was up on the second floor of my barracks all by myself. And um, I got this like three or four or five page letter from somebody in the church. They wrote me. 
And uh, so I thought, you know, this to be filled with this gift of speaking in tongues, that, you know, it's, I don't laugh at me now, but I would just stood up in my barracks all by myself and just open my mouth and said, okay, God, go. <laughs> I waited a long time. Nothing happened, by the way, except my jaw got tired, my tongue hanging out, and I tried to loosen up my tongue. I'm ready. I'm really ready. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I know it's funny now, but I mean, back then, I was so sincere. I mean, I wanted this. If God had power for me, I wanted it. If God had something, a gift, and it's free for just asking, I wanted it. And I felt like I did not get it. So I opened up this letter, and they said, if you ask for it, you got it. I went, wow. I asked for it. I don't believe I got it. And she, I read this and read this and read this, and it says, Mike, you are the one who has to do the talking, the speaking. God is not going to come down. This is what most people think. And grab hold of your tongue and flap it up and down and make you speak. <laughs> Let's just get real. If God could can control your tongue, <laughs> that's called heaven, first of all. But, I mean, if God can control your tongue, you would only say sweet things to your spouse. You would never offend anybody. And some of you just got a great picture. Oh, that would be. It, no, God does not control your tongue. Everybody would be saved, too, on the planet, by the way. Why? He'd just grab every sinner by the tongue and go, I believe in Jesus I mean, no, he doesn't do that. Sometimes I wish he would, but he doesn't. He does not. Why? Because you're in control of your tongue, not God. Amen. You are in control of your tongue, not God. So you can sit there and wait all day. You're going to wait until Jesus comes because you're in control of it, not God. So I thought, you know what? That makes sense. And so this is what I did. And she, she sit there and wrote, in this letter, she said, you just start making syllables that are not your normal English language. And let me just be real with you. I'm from Kentucky. I barely knew English. And you want me to speak another language. I'm still working on this one. You want me to speak a heavenly language, and I can barely speak the Kentucky English, man. I'm, I'm struggling here. And you want me to speak another language? How can you speak another language that you don't know? Again, we're talking weird, and we're going to work past the weird. How? Can you speak a language? You want me to speak a language that I don't know, but yet I'm supposed to speak it. That's like a dog chasing its tail. This is never going to happen. How can this be? How can this be? So she says, you just need to start making syllables. You can't speak two languages at once. Now, I understand that. You may know Spanish. I know a little bit of Swahili. Uh, my kids and nieces, they, they know Swahili fluently, you know. But you cannot speak Swahili and English at the same time. You can't speak Spanish and English at the same time. You can only speak one language at once. So I thought, okay, that makes sense. Now uh, I'm working past the weird and the strange, and you want me to speak in a language that I don't know. She says, you just start making, this is what you do. How many know that our walk with God is by faith? faith. Sometimes, most of the time, all the time, when you're taking steps of faith, when you are taking steps of faith, your natural mind will say, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? It's called faith. It's called faith. When you believe God healed your body, it's called faith. When you believe God says, oh, I'm going to give, I'm going to write out, I've wrote out a check before, and my, going, my brain would go, you are stupid. This is, oh, dumb, dumb, with a capital D. You're writing out money, you know, you got, ooh, not good. But if you sense that God's telling you to do something and you do it, it's called faith. So when the speaking in tongues is faith. So what happened or what happens is that you make syllables, sounds from your mouth that are not English, that are not Spanish or Swahili or any known language. And what happens the Holy Ghost, the gift that has been given you, hooks up with those syllables and makes that a heavenly language and takes it to the throne room of God. Is that awesome? Does that make sense in your brain? Mm-hmm. I've been doing it since I was 19. I've been doing it. I'm 59. I've been doing it for 40 years. And my brain, I, I don't think nothing of it now. But if I ask my brain, what do you think of this? Oh, this is still weird. I've been doing it for 40 years. Still weird. Weird. Really strange. Really strange. And, you know, you don't want your friends to know that you do this. You just don't want, I mean, friends, not you all, but, you know, like my friends that are watching me maybe, you know, you just think they're going to, what are they going to think? I can tell you what they're going to think. I know what they're going to think because I think that. That's just weird. It's just weird. But I did that, and I did it for about three months, four months, and then all of a sudden, my mind told me, you are the one doing this. This is not God. You're doing it. And I thought, that is true. I'm doing the talking. It's really not God. I'm doing this. And so I stopped. I didn't speak again in tongues until I went home and leave again. Uh, many months after that, and I went and uh, I found out that I, that is correct. That is what the Bible says. When we are filled with the gift of the speaking of the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. Who did? They. Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Ananias, not, this is when uh, Saul who was later Paul, Saul got slapped off this horse. (laughs) And he said, Lord, who are you? He believed in what just happened. And he got born again right then there. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Saul was saved right after he got slapped off his horse. He's born again now. He's a believer. You follow me? He says, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and laying his hands on Saul, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here he is. You have to be born again. You have to be a believer in Jesus to be filled with with the gift. In Acts 10, 44, it says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, the Jewish people. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit. The what? 
the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Why? For they heard them speak with tongues. Ooh, it just, this is weird. They heard him speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay there for a few days. So there's three things. You first get the Holy Spirit when you're born again. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You get saved. Born again. The other two things is you get water baptized or baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, those two can be flip-flop. There's no order to that because the Bible, and sometimes they were uh, the, 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 I forgot his, he was a uh, man riding in the chariot, and so he was filled, saved and filled with the Spirit, and then he was baptized. So there's examples of people being baptized in water before being baptized in the Holy Ghost, and there's other examples when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost and then water baptized. But all of them, being saved is first. You have to be in the family before you're going to receive anything that the family has to offer. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right. So those three things happen. So, but to be filled, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to satisfy. It means overfulness. Overfulness. Permeated satisfaction, and saturated. So when you get filled, that is what is happening. And the Holy Ghost is doing that. In Acts 19, verse 1 through 6, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Some disciples. If you're a disciple, it means you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would everyone agree with that? You cannot be a disciple if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus. Will everybody agree with that? All right. So he's finding some believers in the Lord Jesus. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? What? What? Well, that's what they said. What? So they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, when I was born again, I never did hear anything about this Holy Spirit thing. So he said unto them, verse 3, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, verse 6, Paul said, Laid his hands on them. Okay, now here we go. Getting weird. You're going to, first of all, we didn't lay hands on people to pray for people. That was just like, what are you doing? When I went to that church, when I, got, when I, when I was on leave in the Air Force, you know, they always wanted to lay hands on you. And I, at first, it's so uncomfortable. Like, you go, this is my bubble, and you just passed it, man. You just passed my bubble, you know. And, and they, all, they, all, they just want to do that. Oh, brother. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Oh, you just think like, I don't even know you. Well, Paul, he's sitting here and he's going to lay his hands on them. <coughs> the Holy Spirit came upon them <coughs> and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Let's just be natural thinking. 
That's weird. Somebody lays your hand, they get their hands laid on them, and they just start speaking something that nobody knows and they don't even know, and you, and you just go, this is weird, with a capital W. So, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. My what? My spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just saying the picture just keeps getting weirder and weirder. So you want me to speak something, and I'm not going to have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is strange. You want me to speak, but I'm not going to understand. How can I benefit from that? I'm glad you asked. How can I benefit from speaking in tongues except that everybody that finds out that I'm doing this in secret is going to think I'm weird? Ephesians 5, 18. I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to skip that for time's sake because I'm running out of time. I know this, that when you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can do things that are much easier now because it's the Spirit of God doing it through you. You know, it's kind of like I'm not a fix-it man. If you've been going to this church very long, I'm not the, the handiest of men. I'm not a handy man. And, uh, but I have tools. I love tools. Not very good with them, but I, have, I love tools. And the power ones. <laughs> the ones that just, you know... It's, you know, you get a drill gun, you put that in there. You know, I used to just turn the screwdriver, you know, and I don't have strong, powerful hands. So, you know, after one, I go, let's go have coffee. But anyway, uh, I get that screw gun and I just go, let's do another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. I mean, if I was building a fence around my acre, a wooden fence, and had to put those screws in, it would be fun. But if you told me, here's a Phillips screwdriver, I'm going to put in about four or five, and I go, you know what? I think our acre looks better without this fence. <laughs> but you give me that drill gun, you're going, <laughs> I mean, you can just go. You could do things that you normally couldn't do. The Bible talks about the Holy Ghost empowering you. To be able to do things like that. But there's also an empowerment from this gift that you cannot do. I can get that Phillips screwdriver and I can still do it. But there's things that God wants to do through you. That your own intellect, your ability, you can't do. And I'll prove it in the word. But it's kind of like getting in some spaceship or vehicle that can take you to outer space. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how talented you are, athletic you are, you cannot go in space without getting into a vehicle that can take you there. That's this gift that I'm talking about to you today. Are you still open? Would you like to know more about this? Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of that works in us 
Do you know God has to work through people? He works through people. And when I, I got this picture about the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you get it, it's like this big tap that comes out. Am I saying it right? A tap? Um, spigot? Maybe that's better. Spigot? John? Spigot? Tap? Faucet? Okay. Yeah, for us people who don't know what we're talking about, faucet. But anyway, I figured this, I mean, it's like a big one, and it comes out, and, and then it's got this, and you just turn it on. When I speak in tongues, it's just like I'm turning this on, and just power now is coming out of me. Not human intellect, not my effort, but this power. God is not going to do, if God could do anything he wants, people say, well, God is sovereign. Not in the way that the church teaches that God is sovereign. If God is sovereign, everybody would be saved, and you treat your spouse good all the time. He's not sovereign. He allows you and me to make choices. He allows the whole planet to make choices. And we are where we're at because of the choices we made. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's true. But anyway, uh, so now we have something to enable us to help us. First of all, he's already said in Acts that you're going to be empowered to be a better witness. Everybody who believes in Jesus can be a witness. I was when I didn't believe this. I still was a witness. But now there's going to become an emboldness and an empowerment when you have this gift that you can be a witness like you never dreamed. And I think the big, you want to know what I think the biggest witness is? How much God loves you. Not how much Bible you know. Because I know a lot of Christians that have a lot of Bible knowledge, and they're just mean as a snake. Love you. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> the greatest witness is to let the love of God flow through you and to realize how much he loves you. For God so loved the world. Amen. So to be empowered. But it also, it can just strengthen you. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthening or strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So he sits here and says, you can be strengthened by speaking in tongues. Are you interested in that? You can be strengthened. Now, in your spirit, you're a spirit who lives in a body who has a soul. You're a three-part being. So your spirit, man, once you're born again, he's 100% perfect. Your spirit is 100% United with God, there's no weakness in your spirit. So he's not talking about being strengthened in your spirit. He's talking about being strengthened in your everyday life, in your mind, in your soul. People who are weak in their emotions, they're just drama queen USA, drama king USA. (laughs) You act like I don't know what I'm talking about. But listen, there's a lot of drama people. I mean, you just go, you go, oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, this gift can help them be strong in their emotional realm, in their soul realm, even in their physical realm. Moses was 120 years old, and he climbed a mountain. There's people in their 30s that say, no, I'm good. I'm good. So you can be strengthened. Jude chapter 20, it's chapter 1, verse 20. There's only one chapter. Verse 20 and 21. This is a message translation. It says, but you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up. Build yourself up. Who's going to build yourself? You can build yourself up this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. 
praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. So they can strengthen you. The third thing that it can do, I'm not going to be able to have time to talk about everything, but this third one, I really love this. It can enhance your prayer life. Do you know how to pray perfectly all the time? No. Do you know how to pray about every subject? Do you know even how to pray about your kids perfectly? As a pastor, could I pray for all of you perfectly? Can you even pray about yourself perfectly what the Lord wants 100% for your life? Can you pray that out? The answer is no to all of those. You do not know how to pray as we ought. Would everybody agree with that? Romans chapter 8 verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words and human intellect. I like how the Passion Translation says that. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. Is that good or what? Oh, that is so awesome. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Wow, that is so powerful. You know, I gave this illustration one time. It would be like some two-year-old little baby and some uh, rich guy comes up and says, Hey, Mike, if that, you said your baby's so smart. That baby's so smart. If they can count to 100, I, I'll give you 100 bucks. I said, really? Say one. One. Say two. Two. Say three. Three. And go on. You get the picture? Say 99. 99. Say 100. 100. <laughs> Baby just counted to 100. Give me the 100 bucks. What? He says, you don't know what to pray for, to ask for. You have not because you. You have not because you. Well, we don't even know how to ask for everything. Do I know? I, I prayed for all of my kids to marry the, the right spouse. I want to make sure, you know, I pray in English. Lord, I, I just pray that they love God, their spouse will love God, and that they will love them, and they'll be just a great person. And uh, that's about it. You know, so about three minutes, you're done praying. But then this is what I do. I say, Father, I'm going to pray. In the Holy Ghost, because I control it. If we, I didn't have time, but in all of these examples, it says they spoke. You turn it on, turn it off. So don't tell me and get weird on me. He says, well, I just couldn't help myself. Yeah, you can. But I prayed. I said, God, I want to talk to you and pray out the perfect will for my children. So I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray for the church. This is how I pray for you guys. Sometimes the Lord gives me when in prayer to pray specific things for you. And I do that in English. But the majority of the time, I don't know what to pray for you all in English. I don't know what you're going through. But he does. So I say, God, I'm going to pray for Rocky Mountain Family Church right now. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray in tongues. And this says that when I start speaking those syllables, the Holy Ghost hooks up with that. Does, it, does this really make sense to your natural mind? 
<laughs> Never. But I keep doing it. Why? It's by faith. And because I know this, it's empowered me to be a better witness. It's empowered me to be strengthened in my emotional and my walk with God. First John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are you. How can that be? This will help you to walk that out. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have Christ in us, but is that Christ getting out and manifesting in signs and wonders and miracles and in love and through the fruit of the Spirit and peace and patience? Is that manifesting in your life? I'm telling you, this gift will help all of that to be manifested in your life. And that's why I'm teaching it to you today, no matter how weird it may seem. Are you hearing me? I do this every day of my life. I do this a lot when I'm up here, you know, worshiping God or whatever. I'm just ever so softly. I don't want to freak people out. Back in the 70s, we freaked people out and we just said, well, they just, that's just too bad. They need to get over it. No, we were just stupid. God is not, in, his intention is not to freak anybody out and then just say, oh, suck it up. No, they'll, they'll suck it out. You won't ever have to worry about them. They'll never be there again. No. So, I mean, don't be weird on this. It's weird enough. Don't, don't you take it to the next level. Are you hearing me? And so I know, I know that this will help you. It'll help you in your daily walk with God, in your daily walk with people. It'll help you. And some of you may have said, yeah, I've heard about that before. And listen, if anybody has any questions, you come to me. I may have opened up more questions. Some of you maybe have never heard of this. You know, if you're fairly new to our church, you maybe have never heard of this. And you may think, I had no idea you believed in that. I didn't know this church believed in that. Oh, my goodness. Surprise. <laughs> Go more pile. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Anyway. But I want you, I want you to be empowered and like I said, there are not people who speak in tongues and people who don't, their Christianity is up here. No. Are you hearing me? I said no. You're not more mature. You're not more spiritual. Because I know some people speak in tongues and I just think, help them, Jesus. And when I'm around them, help me. No. But I'm telling you, there's things to me to be empowered, to be a witness, to be strengthened in my prayer life. Man, I pray with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So if you have questions, you can come to me personally. You can email me. You can email me through the website. And uh, because it, it may have opened up a lot of questions. But I don't want anybody to just say, well, it doesn't make sense. And let me just say this. If you study this out yourself, you, all these scriptures plus the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, you know, you start studying this out. If you totally disagree with me, that's okay. I'm still going to love you. I have friends. I've got pastor friends who don't believe this. I don't go. <laughs> so don't get weird on me and say, I didn't know this church believed like this. I'm leaving. Come on. Do you leave? I disagree with my wife and I don't leave her. I really want that car. No, but I'm serious. <laughs> oh, that was so true. But anyway, uh, my, my point is this, that just, just don't go crazy just because of something that you don't totally understand. 
Number one quality any Christian can have is to be teachable. Just be open-minded. Let the Holy Ghost talk to you. Let your Father talk to you. Amen? Let's all stand.